Hello there, wonderful humans, and welcome back to another episode of Thought Architecture. I'm your host, Justin, and uh, I'm doing my sexy late-night DJ voice to calm you down of all of the frivolity and uh, pleasures that you've experienced as part of this Christmas season. No, in all seriousness, it's been a great uh, Christmas season for me. Just low-key stuff like uh, cooking, you know, and reading. And uh, I've been enjoying it thoroughly, and I hope you've been enjoying your simple pleasures as well. And that's part of what this is about as well. So today's episode, we're actually talking about this. Um, I wanted to go into frameworks and the importance of frameworks. So in doing so, let me lead you a little bit backwards and take a step back and paint a picture for you. Thought architecture, and at least the branding around thought architecture, what thought architecture represents, is a more succinct, holistic, integrated perspective on ideas. So it is going to be more complex, absolutely. It's going to have more nuance to it, without a doubt. Um, And that is for a particular crowd of people. That is not for everybody. But there are two things to express here. Number one, the more you can level up a person in terms of how they understand something working, the better that they're going to be able to predict and create outcomes for themselves, for others, and serve others. So that's the first, you know. And the second point is this idea of um, whenever you come into something with complexity, there's also a little bit more of a fulfillment factor to it as well, like an exploration factor that really helps you out. So it's for the individual and for the purposes of everyone else. So thought architecture is about that. But what topics do we cover? Well, really, the topics that we're going to cover, as you've seen previously, is anything. But a lot of it is about the human mechanism and how we think, how we interact, and how we think about interacting as well. Uh, My background is largely in learning and languages, which brings up culture. It brings up learning everything. It brings up acquiring knowledge, information, memories, how we relate to things. And with more of my recent research, the correlation between learning and emotion um, has been proven time and time again. The more, the stronger the emotion, the emotional input, whenever you're presenting something, the stronger the learning uh, that takes place. That means the stronger the memory is going to be. So really, you know, emotional input equals strong learning. And so based on that, then a lot of my research went into learning as well and the impacts of emotions on learning, emotions on well-being, emotions on social ties, etc. And so it just led on to communities, community-based things. So there's a lot that kind of ties into all of these things. But basically, the biggest thing with thought architecture is not just looking at all of these, but it's looking at frameworks. Oh, I'm sitting in the middle of a lightning thunderstorm right now. Growing up in South Africa, I must tell you, I absolutely adore it. But my poor little puppies are probably shaking in their boots right now, which is not a good thing. So, uh, right, I'm going to carry on and hopefully go and comfort them as soon as I'm done. So a quick issue with this is, um, let me cycle back. So we've talked about thought thought architecture and we've talked about the, the branding behind it is really about thinking things through better, creating a better understanding of it largely because of this point of view saying that 
in our culture you have to win you know what is the minimum i can do to get the maximum result out you know what what about failing well failure is a way to get to winning well no you know there's this idea of exploration and exploring means that you're traveling in a direction with no anticipated win in the future you're just exploring for the sake of let me journey and so skill development comes out of exploration skill development comes out of these things as well unknowns can emerge when we explore and so there's a purpose to exploring and to potentially having absolutely no win or no product or result in our futures and so this this idea of like well i need to do the best i need to be the best i need to be as efficient as possible actually winds up in the long-term perspective being a very inefficient ineffective and fragile model so we have to balance short-term and long-term solutions and so straight away that's what thought architecture stands for the idea of taking a perspective which allows you to be stronger more holistic all right so saying in some cases it it suits us to go for the most efficient most effective manner possible to get to create a result why because we need this result but in other cases let's flop around let's explore and let's see what comes out of it why because that will develop our architecture a little bit stronger as well and mean we're less fragile and thought architecture represents this balance this appropriacy as well and so as much as possible as taking context is important okay and this leads to obvious issues with um, how people approach certain things like uh, my favorite is biohacking so if you've never heard of this term before <clears throat> there are various versions of it my favorite incarnation of it is um, specifically in uh, in california you know on the west coast here you'll find tons of people who will uh, spout this supplement or that supplement as being the cure for xyz right they've done some cursory research and their research says that this is better than that and that this is better than that and so they go for the results like i don't know why it works but it works and so instead of getting um you know some type of causal relationship we get a lot of correlated relationship we get a lot of you know confounding variables as well where we're not even sure if this action that we're taking whatever it is is actually part of the result or not because there isn't really scientific method attached to this because it's anecdotal it's n equals one but more to the point is that most biohackers especially the ones that i know don't understand the full system of what's going on and so create a story in their head around this fact that they're actually changing something where they're not even accounting for you know a placebo effect and if they are how do they measure what's the difference between placebo versus the action that they're taking especially when they're putting like minerals and vitamins and supplements into their bodies so very simply put there's a lot of you know confirmation bias which doesn't help frameworks and there's a lot of attention of like if it doesn't work cut it out of your system versus oh well it doesn't work i wonder why let's let's explore that so there's a lot of exploration that's that's gone amok as well so you have these people living these hyper effective lives like oh i'm only going to drink coffee with you know mct oils and you know full fats organic milk and things like that and that's that's fine if it suits them but it does also create someone who then becomes dependent on in the long term on these habits these routines to feel good it does create a fragility with it as well 
So that's to say that we also need to establish whether these people are coming from a place of survival or if they're gathering strength and they are now thriving, they're figuring out ways to add a plus one or not. And <clears throat> how do we make that determination of whether this person is actually coming from a place of survival, uh, from a negative, from a minus one, and they're trying to attain like a state of homeostasis, of harmony, of balance within themselves. And these little plugs that they're, that they're doing, like meditation as a plug to fix a problem, is not a solution. You know, there are short-term solutions which will help you achieve results. And there are long-term solutions as well, which don't look flashy. They don't look great on, you know, like YouTube thumbnails and crap like that. And the truth is, is that, <clears throat> you know, shortcuts will lead you to a solution fine, but they don't help you to develop the skills that you would need to circumvent these similar issues again. So you become sensitive to a problem, you fix the problem, sensitive to a similar problem again in the future, and you fix that problem, but you're still experiencing these problems and you never get to a point of transcendence. So just taking you back a few podcasts ago, I released an episode on this idea of resiliency, adaptability, and transcendence. And so straight away, that framework can show you just within like, let's say, hacking the body, you know, sure, on 12 minutes a day, according to Body by Science by Doug McGuff, MD, and John Little, they're like 12, 12 minutes per week, you can get gains in your body. And that's fine. Minimum effective dose. Great. Cool. For someone who has never worked out before, go for it. But much better is to develop the skill of actually enjoying your workouts, finding pleasure in investing time and energy into your body rather than treating it as a chore. Because then even that 12 minutes is going to be a chore versus, ha, huh, well, I, I want to rest my body today, but I still want to be active. What's a great way to be active and resting my body? Maybe let me try some, some nice relaxing movements, some gentle practices, etc. If you dedicate some time to maintenance of your, your meat mechanism, if you will, your meat vehicle, um, you know, it changes it and you change the way that you approach it. You develop a skill in understanding it as well as well as the skill of approaching it as a pleasure rather than as an obligation. So, you know, 12 minutes per week versus, well, let me just dedicate an hour a day to learning more about my body and exploring. And you start developing skills around discipline. Forget the body, just the discipline of saying an hour a day to my body. Oh, let me enjoy my hour a day. So let me now develop my perspective and how I understand that as well. So huge issues there, huge issues with the winning culture, oh, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. Well, that's a terrible position to be in because all the studies say that the way that we create bonds with people, very strong, emotional, empathetic bonds, is actually when we share failures and weaknesses with people. So if you're the guy who win, 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 uh, wins, 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 no matter what, then, well, chances are you're also going to be alone. You're going to be the guy that intimidates people, that people feel threatened around, that people feel can do no wrong. You know, fail every once and again, you know, if, every now and again and see how people respond to you failing. People like to feel needed. So if you fail, go to them and say like, hey, I just failed. I feel like sh I feel terrible. Can um, can we do this thing that'll maybe, you know, when I'm with you, it helps me pick, pick up my mood. And they're like, yeah, sure. Let me help you get back to, to zero, to a state of harmony. And you start from failure. You start creating bonds, stronger bonds as well, because people see, oh, you're not this automaton that can do everything on, it, on your own. You can actually 
rely on people, that you actually need people and you can create bonds like that as well. The other thing to, to point out with this idea is that <clears throat> Richard Lewis in his model of cross-communication, uh, cross-cultural communication actually mentioned this. Um, so I'll attach a link uh, below to this as well. But he mentioned this idea of each culture can be summarized into like a little uh, sentence, which is pretty much the, the attitude of that culture. And so uh, Canada's, for example, is compromise. Like, okay, cool, I'll compromise if you compromise. Whereas uh, America's is winner take all. Whereas the UK or the British culture is more like um, don't rock the boat. So this is evidenced in, in you know, the classic co cultural paradigms of like, oh, if someone is in front of you, you just kind of maybe clear your throat or you stare at them until they notice you. You know, because if you actually say something, you're considered to be a little bit more rude. Like somehow you are extremely offended if you actually speak. Whereas other cultures might speak up because what's the, the logic of remaining quiet in circumstances like that? The Canadian one of compromise, compromise, you know, I'll compromise if you compromise is great as well because that's a very fair and equitable uh, type of attitude. Whereas the American one, the winner take all, really you can see it with regard to the culture, the celebrity culture that's here as well. Um, but it does create a very unhealthy attitude of I'm a self-made person. Oh, you know, like I'm a pioneer in this field. I do this, I do that. And actually when you look at all of these things, you know, I'll attach a video below as well. Um, the YouTube channel Big Think hosted a couple of people with, who talked about geniuses and they're like, there is no such thing as a genius. There are these myths around what a genius is, like somehow this person did this amazing thing. And where you actually find that there's a group of people around that one person. That one person is famous because it's very difficult for the entire band to be famous when the lead singer is the one getting all the attention. And so geniuses are seen as these lead singers of businesses or, um, you know, enterprise where they are just the forefront. They are literally the front of the group. And so people say they are the person. They are amazing. Then you do a little bit more research and you find out, OK, well, actually, they didn't do all of that. Uh, they presented it. Sure. But these people did that section and these people did that section and these people did that section. And this person actually wasn't actually present. And when you start to look at really successful businesses, it's the ones where the people at the top enable the people below them to do the work that they need to do. The people at the top don't try and control everything. Um, you know, your CEO should be the person who's presenting the findings of the entire business rather than taking credit for the entire business. So in that way, you know, like people say, or like, who are the, let me ask you this question. In your mind, who are the three most recent geniuses that you would think of? And I'm sure names like Elon Musk, like uh, Steve Jobs are going to be thrown around there as well. But when you look at these giants of industry, what does Elon Musk do? He's a CEO of three different companies. He's on the board for like a couple others or whatever. But he actually is a very well-educated person. So you can have conversations with the people who are smart, but he puts them into a system. He plugs them in. He doesn't take control of these ideas. He has a notion and he puts people to work and they are the ones who develop the thing. So is he a genius in terms of a leader? Yes. But is he a genius in terms of he is the one responsible for all of these breakthroughs? No, the people under him are the ones doing the research, doing the production, all of that kind of stuff. So is he a self-made man as well? Like, well, 
you know, what's the, what's the, the idea with self-made? Like nobody helped me. Well, I'm sorry, even if we just started a fundamental basis, you know, people around you until you were 25, you could not live independently. And even if you did li live independently, you still needed other people in your life to emotionally balance you, to give you advice, to help you. And so no one is self-made. Absolutely no one is self-made. There are people, no matter if you like them or not, who have assisted you in getting where in getting you to where you are. You know, it's literally that idea of it takes a village. And so we come back to this idea of, you know, can you maintain an awareness, a perspective of yourself that is honest or true, that is measurable from the outside? This idea of like inflated egos versus accurate knowledge of skills is something that we can discuss if we talk about these points. You know, do you, do you overestimate your skills? Well, do you have an inflation of your ego? Do you think that you're more important than you are? Versus do you have an accurate understanding of what it is that you can do? Because you can do it nine times out of 10 at least, and you've tested it. You've evidenced it to yourself, perhaps on video format to others as well, uh, in front of others. So in this way, we can then evidence our skills and have confidence in our skills. That's not egotistical. And then when we have a social interaction, how do we talk about our own skills? That as well is something that needs to come into play. So for example, in some countries where respect is a very important value, they will not admit weakness in their skills or an inability in their skills. Uh, there will be language around it that suggests this. But basically, it's, it's uh, do it or get out of here kind of attitudes. And so understanding this is important. But in others, there's going to be a modesty attached to the skills as well. Like Taiwanese culture, I challenge you, if you've got a friend who was raised in Taiwan, try and compliment them and they will do everything in their power to defeat that compliment. Like, oh, you're, you're so good at this. No, 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 really, I'm not. No, 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 I mean, like, no one else that I've met can do this thing. Oh, no, I'm not special. I'm not, no, 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 no. Why? Because there's a grain in Taiwanese culture about being humble. And you can see this in a lot of other cultures as well, like the uh, Scandinavian cultures. I think it's Norway or, yeah, I think it's Norway or Sweden, which has that culture of, like, don't brag, basically. So the way that you, you have knowledge of your confidence and the way that you discuss this, this, this confidence as well in social groups or display this level of confidence as well is something to be negotiated. And you need to be aware of the mechanisms that govern people, the mechanisms that govern different cultures as well. It's a very interesting topic to get into. And all of this comes back to the universals of being a human. What is the human operating system that we're under? Everybody has these issues. How they personally express it in their own cultures, in their own ways, in their own personalities is a little bit different, but they do follow some rules that we can uh, explore in more detail. So just to come back to this idea, the main branding point behind thought architecture is to elevate people's understanding of mechanisms behind human operating systems. And that includes a look at emotionality, uh, social structures, skills involved with all of these as well, learning the mind and how to rebalance all of these things. Perspective, 
I think is a good way to say it. And by elevating the current framework, making it a little bit more sophisticated, giving people a little bit more experience, consider it a level up on the thought architecture that exists at the moment. Simplicity, I'll try and find this quote, but it's uh, simplicity is the end product of uh, arduous undertaking arduous exploration. So you do a lot of work, you explore a topic, you gain a lot of familiarity with the topic. And it's only once you're at that point can you simplify it. If you come into a topic expecting simplifications, you have not started it with an exploration mindset. And I would challenge you on your understanding greatly because simplicity comes after a long period of time, after great understanding, after a lot of trial and error. So great. <clears throat> okay, so I think one of my things that I'd love to ask you about is, and you're welcome to share it with me in the comments below, send me a message, whatever you like, but I'd love to ask you, what is something that you've got a lot of experience around that you can actually simplify quite well? You know, uh, think about that. That'll be quite interesting to, to hear from you guys about that. Uh, I think like I said before, this is normally the time where I say, oh, please, you know, leave me a five-star review on blah, blah, blah website or a comment below or interact, engage, blah, blah, blah. Nonsense. If the purpose of this podcast is to create value, the simple value that I will say is interact with it. And so, like I said previously, send it on to another person. Tell them to take a listen, you know, write some notes about it and then interact with the person on these points. These are deeper conversational points, sure. But even then, without even interacting on this audio, you can talk about the biohacking culture, let's say, or the winning culture, or the genius idea. Go and find a friend that you wanna connect with. Go and have a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, have a dinner, and discuss these topics. You know, Get into it with them, and really strengthen your communities. That's my ask, that's how I think this audio can really create value. Share it with someone uh, or not, but start a conversation around these topics if it spurred any kind of inspiration in you. All right. Um, in the future, I think coming up, I've got some, uh, I've got, I'm gonna have a series based around learning. I'm gonna have a ser series based around language. I'm gonna have a series based around culture and deeper dives into this type of stuff, into frameworks. I've got a reactionary thing coming up with Dune. Um, if you know Dune, sorry, American pronunciation, Dune or British June, the, uh, the book by Frank Herbert, the sci-fi novel that spurred uh, two miniseries from the sci-fi channel, one David Lynch movie and another movie that's set to come out in 2021. So um, that one with regard to how, how empathy works is phenomenal, I think. It's a great, it's a great piece of fiction. Anyway, lots of love to you all. I hope you all have a fantastic day and uh, we'll see you in the next one.